You're listening to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast, a comfy, cozy place for private practice introverts, highly sensitive therapists, and solopreneurs who help and heal. This is the place for practical, nature-based, magical support for your business and life. and welcome back to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. I'm your host, Cindy. Here in episode 68, I chat with Sarah Brisky-Hamrick of Teletherapy with Sarah. We talk about media, capitalism, and feelings of failure. Now on to our conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. I'm here today with Sarah Brisky-Hamrick, and she is a licensed professional counselor in Pennsylvania and also a coach for the exploited therapist. So welcome, Sarah. Thank you, Cindy. It's so great to see you. I'm so happy to be on this podcast. What a wonderful thing you've built here. Yeah, thank you. Why don't you let our listeners know a little bit more about you and the work that you do? Definitely. All right. So licensed professional counselor in Pennsylvania. I lived in Philadelphia for seven years, got educated there, you know, um, worked in some local hospitals that were there, started private practice, and then During the pandemic, we decided to relocate and just moved out to the counties, as they call them in Eastern PA. And now I just celebrated my first birthday with my private practice. Yay. Congratulations. Um, Thank you so much. It was, it was, it was quite a celebration internally and externally. Um, Just, you know, obviously like many folks in private practice went through a really challenging journey during the pandemic. Um, one of the reasons why I am also transitioning into coaching for the exploited therapist, because, you know, I'm, I'm remembering summer 2020, I'm seeing 35 to 45 people a week. You know, there are uprisings are happening. I'm hearing helicopters 24 seven. And also the pandemic is just raging. And, and I can't think of a, you know, harder time to just be existing and also be a person who's you know, maybe not primary, but one of the top primary supports for so many people. Mm -hmm. And even in that time, I was also pushed to do more, to see more people, to make more money. And it's, yeah. So I was like, I'm going to be done with this. I'm going to go my own way. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to chase happiness. I'm going to chase pleasure. And it's actually been, you know, a wonderful year. All of these wonderful things are coming true. And I had to also unlearn a lot of truths about that too. Um, and I'm realizing, I, I'm just realizing that a lot of internal stigma and ideas that I have about the world and about myself that a lot of my clients share. So mm-hmm. I'm just so happy to have learned and been able to undo a lot of this stuff to just kind of like pass it down the lane. You know? Yes. I love the way that you said that, because I feel like that's that we have similar missions because the past couple of years I have been on a mission to let people know it's okay to chase joy and pleasure and to rest and it's okay. Like we can claim that for ourselves. Yeah, absolutely. I 100% agree. I, there was a point when I was saying to folks, like, listen, rest is on your to-do list. It is an actionable item. You actually do need it. It's not a reward. It's a body necessity. Um, and that is such a hard thing for people to learn. And I don't blame them. That is the message that we're fed that rest is selfish. Rest is And that selfishness is bad, right? Mm -hmm. All of these things that are in service of the self and service of our bodies are 
um, not producing anything. So they're negative. Yeah. Yeah. I've always mentioned that I am on a mission to reclaim the words lazy and selfish because they're really wonderful things. (laughs) I agree. I agree. And I, I mean, even to take it a step further, I I swear I've like looked into the history of the word lazy too. And I, I think that like maybe in even the past 50 years, it has just used as such a word of oppression too, for Mm -hmm. people that are, that, you know, capitalism and society benefits from weighing down on like, okay, well, they're just lazy or, you know, you're not having a happy life because you're lazy. You're not having the rights and the things you want and need to survive because you're lazy, which is, which is nonsense. So exactly. Yeah. Cause that's leading into what we're going to be talking about today. Um, And the topic is about media capitalism and feelings of failure. Yeah. Oh, let's get right in. I love talking about this. I I love it as much as it is frustrating. So yeah, let's get ready for that. Um, So a lot of what I'm going to talk about right now is just the media's influence on our thoughts about ourselves. So a lot of the criticism we have towards ourselves has to do with social media, movies, TV, and other content we absorb throughout the day. Now you might hear that and think, well, yeah, obviously Instagram and other social media are very influencing. We literally see other people's lives through a filter. We get to normalize and humanize celebrity, but it's not just social media. I mean, watching TV and movies and just other things we do at the end of the day or beginning or during the day to turn our brains off are actually setting like really harmful expectations for ourselves. Um, You know, it's just so important to remember that TV and movies and just entertainment They're meant to create an emotional reaction to cause you to continue to view the content. The stuff isn't being written by mental health professionals, teachers, engineers, or coaches that are writing scripts in hopes that you're going to have self-improvement and a higher quality of life. You know, they're writers that are trying to write content that engages you, distracts you, and entertains you. Mm -hmm. You're not going to watch it and be like, okay, I'm done. You know, I'm happier. You're going to watch it and be like, oh, I got to follow this storyline and these really impractical decisions in relationships that people are (laughs) carrying out like on these, these just like understanding that comedic and dramatic storylines need to be furthered, but also recognizing that when we start to compare ourselves to those decisions and those relationships and those qualities and traits, we're really setting ourselves up for failure. Yeah. And I like that you mentioned that it's not just social media, that Mm -hmm. it's everywhere. And even probably people in our lives that love us and that we love or just friends. And because everyone is being influenced by these messages and it becomes part of even our vocabulary and how we talk about things like rest and, and being able to take care of ourselves. And there's so many misconceptions out there. Yeah, absolutely. As you're saying that, I'm really thinking of some like maybe more harmful and you know i mean the word toxic is a little like diluted at this point but we'll we'll say it some like toxic characters that maybe have some coolness about them (laughs) that i've heard like you know maybe maybe older hold on to that and identify with it and be like oh okay you know there's no reason to make changes because this character is cool this kind of enables this maybe maybe tough or maybe problematic um viewpoint that i'm carrying still Mm mm-hmm yeah. 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 I do feel like um, I have seen just very recently so many changes going on. And it's almost like we're waking up to the fact that how we've been living isn't healthy for us and that we can't keep continuing on like this. 
I know. Yeah, you're exactly right in the backlash that's happening because of that. You know, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of like millennial shaming, a lot of like Gen X and Gen Z shaming, like, and, you know, like the the reclamation of rest and the the enjoyment of anything that's pleasurable is just being viewed again with this through this lens of lazy or you're not you know you're not working towards the greater good which is which has been i mean yeah again <laughs> what is the greater good if only a few people are benefiting from it right mm-hmm. um and a lot of the, again a lot of this content we are viewing is very influenced by production companies and by producers so the content's going to be racist it's going to be misogynistic it's going to be classist homophobia homophobic transphobic and any other form of oppression that kind of keeps capitalism churning so we can definitely transition to talk about capitalism a little bit yeah so so i mean just to break it down for people because that is in our that's in our lexicon now a lot of people are talking about it they know they don't like it. They know that it causes them grief, but they're not sure exactly what it is. So it's a political ideology. It's an economic system based on private ownership. And it means that the production and operation of trade is based on private monetary gain, not on what the public needs. So we talk a lot about consumerism and how much we consume and how much we don't actually need to consume that much. Capitalism posits that it's just going to keep making things and forcing us to consume it. So it doesn't make things that we need. It makes things, it makes a want and then it gives Mm -hmm. it to us. Yeah. Yeah. Even thinking about, um, because I'm a huge fan of Instagram. That's where we met Mm -hmm. because I was seeing some of your content and I'm like, you have to come on the podcast and talk about this. And I think it is so amazing. And they are amazing at the targeted ads for me because every third post is something that I am really, (laughs) I feel like I need there for a second. It's like, okay, let me think about this. But I think Mm -hmm. they're getting so, I mean, so smart about what they show to you and just collecting information and putting things out there that you really are interested in. (laughs) You're absolutely right. I, it's so funny, you know, before we switched to I had to switch. I had to like pay an extra couple dollars a month for Hulu without commercials because I'm just getting all these incredible commercials with people of color and like queer representation and like non-binary folks. And I said to my husband, like, wow, Hulu really like knows what they're doing. And he was like, this is 100% because you talk about this stuff and because you care about these people and you write about it and you, you speak on a platform about it. It's not, it's not because Hulu is woke. It's not because Hulu cares. It's because, yeah, it's because you care, (laughs) (laughs) but you're right. It's, it feels, um, I mean, marketing and marketing like that is very, very effective. Yeah, because that hits like it's more of an emotional type marketing where it does Mm -hmm. hit you right in the heart. (laughs) Absolutely. And it's yeah, oh man, it it hurts. And and like they're 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 doing a lot better at not soliciting or excuse me, eliciting that um hey, do this or you're bad. Now it's like, hey, do this if you want. Like they're using the vernacular that we're using. Yeah. (laughs) Something that's like little pressure and um you know, it's just meant to kind of like give us space, which is something that we talk about a lot in our, you know, with our generation and just with our, the speech that we use. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's just so important that to remember and to know that 
capitalism benefits from the oppression of people. It benefits from groups being segregated. It benefits from um, lack of equality. It benefits from people not having good care at work. It benefits from people and work being exploited. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's so hard. I, that's another big point I want to bring to this is that we are not bad for being susceptible to that. You know, yeah. we, we are just human beings that are being very, very well targeted. So, mm-hmm. and you know, we don't have time. We don't have time to learn because we're working 40 plus hours a week. We don't have time to be human beings. We don't have time to grieve. We don't, we barely get sickly. We don't have time to rest and heal and just let our bodies recover. Mm-hmm. You know, we're treated like robots in a sense, but then we are treated very much like emotional beings when we have to have, when we have to be manipulated. It's, it's extremely manipulative and it's so normal and human. It's such a normal and human response to be swindled by it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love that you brought that up because of how busy we are and how distracted it is mm-hmm. kind of like living on the surface. And we don't have sometimes that depth to recognize some of these things because I've noticed the more time and the more space that I've taken, the less susceptible I am to some of that, because I'm not just living totally stressed out and grabbing for the next thing that I think might make me happy or or bring some joy into my life. Absolutely. And and what a good point that we're not reaching, you know, because we're making space, space for ourselves to rest, you know, we're not reaching for the thing that's going to make us happy. And I mean, that's really the basis of consumerism. You know, we, we like to think that our lives are actually very convenient because we have a lot of toys and tools that make life quote unquote easier. But in reality, we just have so much shit to manage. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so many of these toys and tools to manage that it actually becomes extremely overwhelming and we don't have time to do things anymore. All right. It's, I mean, it's, it's wild. It, it's again, it's, it's also like late stage capitalism, right? So if we're, if you watch a show like Mad Men, or if you hear your parents talk about your grandparents' experience, or even hear your grandparents talk about their experiences. They had, they lived simpler lives because there wasn't as much to do. And I don't mean there wasn't as much work to be done. I mean, there wasn't as much to manage as far as these just like contraptions and rituals that we invite into our lives that are supposed to make it easier, but are actually really taking a lot of stress. I mean, I have to keep up with three email accounts right now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, just the email is. <laughs> it's, it's it's wild, but yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think there are ways that we can, or at least something, when you mentioned email, it made me think, I was talking with a friend yesterday and she was talking about my email autoresponder and how like so clear it is. And it is about reclaiming that space because in the past, when an email would come through, it was someone else's agenda for me. And I felt like I just had to respond and do whatever was in the email as soon as I saw it. And it, it got to where I really dreaded it. And I was like, oh no, I have more emails. What do I have to do now? And, but being able to put some space in there and prioritize the emails that I'm going to respond to, the emails that I'm going to ignore, the emails that I'm going to wait a little bit to respond to and letting people know the expectations of the time frame when I will respond. And if you're inquiring about certain things, then I'm probably not going to respond. And a lot of it is some of that, that 
marketing that, you know, people sending mass emails out to thousands of people, hoping someone will respond and buy their thing. So, yeah. (laughs) I, my, when I saw your auto response the first time, I was like, what, what a gem this is. It's so (laughs) incredible. What a great idea. And I got the effects of it immediately. You know, it was a very kind, a very kind way to let someone know like, Hey, I know you have stuff, but you're reaching out to me and I have stuff that I'm already doing. So, mm-hmm. so I'll get back to you. And I'm, I mean, if we kind of want to get into that too, when we talk about, I mean, I, I can like, I can like reach, I can reach pretty far with this. So pull me back in if I need, but that's actually a big component of white supremacy culture is that sense of urgency. Like my time mm-hmm. is very valuable you need to respond to me immediately because my time is valuable and my time is more important than yours. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, um, I think I, I'd love to share that with folks if they're interested in reading it. The white supremacy uh, tenants document is just such an important thing to take a look at um, for folks that own a private practice or people that just interact with others day to day. Yeah. I'll be sure and, and link to that if you can share yeah, that with definitely, me. Definitely. Definitely. Um, but yeah, you have your, again, you bring up a great point about how we feel the sense of urgency and need to respond. When I opened my private practice and decided to really recognize what things were giving me that drop in my stomach or that urgency that wasn't a client in crisis, mm-hmm. I was like, oh, I don't, it's time to reevaluate. I need to like really, really shove these things that are not a priority to the back just because people behave as if it's urgent doesn't make it urgent. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think there's also this thing about, um, I don't know, just the overall sense of being a good person or a nice person or being, um, uh, you know, you want people to have a good experience when they mm-hmm. reach out to you and you want to be kind, but that doesn't mean that you're scrambling or you're feeling this sense of urgency in getting back. Um, so that's one thing that I've learned that you can have boundaries and still be kind. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, my favorite thing to say to like perfectionist people pleasing clients is that you're not really fully people pleasing if you're not extending it to yourself. Mm-hmm. So that is definitely a barrier. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, that's good stuff. Yeah. And thinking about, I mean, talking about capitalism, I always mm-hmm. go to the internalized capitalism that, mm-hmm. that we have. And so I've had a few people like when I've said that, not really understand what it is. So, I mean, the basic definition is that our self-worth is directly linked to our productivity. So that is something that I think that we're starting to to recognize and hopefully dismantle because it really is one of the main causes of our burnout. 100%. That is such a big tenant of the treatment that I give as well. So my niche is I work with professional millennials that are from working class backgrounds. So, and if any, if there's any group that we are continuing to not recognize that's exploited, it's a working class um, you know, and that will include all that will include all genders and races and ethnicities of people. Obviously, you know, you know, male oriented genders and white individuals in the working class will have a better experience, but everybody in the working class is exploited at a certain point in time. And they are also fed this message, you know, as you said perfectly, that their productivity is linked to their value. But oftentimes that is because they are making somebody at the top a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So if you are, if you're being fed this message that like, Hey, be a team player, you know, 
um, keep your issues in the company, aka don't unionize. <laughs> um, we are going to give you a pizza party. <laughs> We're going to give you great <laughs> gifts on the holidays. But you know, all you need to do is just be grateful that you have employments, and you have to be grateful that you know you're treated with a modicum of respect. You should, you know, you don't want to let your team down and not show up for work when you're sick. You don't. But in reality, the manager you know, and my link for this is the manager slash supervisor slash boss. They are in charge of making a workplace that is livable and that page it pays fair and living wages and keeps their folks safe. I mean, that's very basic stuff. And mm -hmm. most people in this country are members of the working class. And most people in this country are being fed that message. Oh, it's all connected. They're all being fed this message from media that they have to live and do and be in a certain way, when in reality, people that are dictating those roles are very out of touch, mm -hmm. very out of touch. Um, this might get me in trouble. I don't judge people for watching anything Kardashian related, but I do, <laughs> I, because I get it. I, I get, I get the desire to turn your brain off and to see something beautiful on screen. I do get frustrated when, I do get frustrated when folks that have a lot of wealth make themselves seem more important because of beauty and because of access because that, mm -hmm. that's incorrect and that makes people that are taking in that content walk away from walk away from that entertainment and feeling worse about themselves mm -hmm. and that's that's really not supposed to happen that way and we're not supposed to we're not supposed to feel bad about ourselves for just being people that need to work yeah that's what most of us do mm -hmm. it is yeah they're so mm -hmm so much just from watching a show, how that can impact our feelings about ourselves. And I think getting back to where we are, we are worthy period. Like we don't have to do anything. We don't have to make anyone else money. We don't have to look a certain way. It's just our existence and who we are is beautiful and something that is a, a really wonderful thing for the world. And that we can, 100%. yeah, just by being ourselves is yeah. that's all we need to do. But sadly, <laughs> how we live today, it can feel like there's um, sometimes it can be hard to just live, like to make mm -hmm. enough money to pay rent and maybe have a car to get to work or and and not really having any time for vacation or not being taken care of in the workplace where it really is you're living for the weekends. You're, you know, there's so much of that where it's a, I don't know, just a really sad cycle. I, you're absolutely right. And you're really making me think about these other like cliches that we see in movies and TV that are just so accepted only in the US. You know, uh, somebody having to do a Kickstarter so they can get uh, chemotherapy is a America story. Mm -hmm. yeah. Somebody needing to hitchhike to another state because there's no public transportation is an America story. Mm -hmm. um, somebody needing to uh, use paid sick leave to go to a loved one's funeral for, you know, and take the time off because they need to fly is an America story. Yeah. And we don't, we don't, because we see it in media and it's kind of like romanticized. We're like, ha ha ha, you know, <laughs> got to do this thing again. But that's not, I mean, folks, that is not normal. You know, our, unfortunately, our exceptionalism leads us to think that we really have it 
very good here. And in certain aspects, we really do. But we are denied a lot of very basic human needs and rights Mm -hmm. because of where we live. Um, Yeah. And thinking about, um, you know, certain workplaces about approving time off that you've earned. That's another thing that drives me crazy. It's like, I've worked, I've earned this time off. I want to go on vacation, but, oh, let me submit my my request. And it's denied because like, we don't have enough coverage. Like you need to be a team player. Like, (laughs) so that means you don't get to go on your, you know, once a year family vacation because even though you've earned it. So that's another pet peeve of mine. I know. I know. Like, yes, exactly. Be a team player. I'm so (laughs) sorry that we haven't gotten to hire everyone. You know, I don't, people are so unreliable. They don't want to work a challenging therapy job for $15 an hour. It's crazy. (laughs) Exactly right. Exactly right. Man. Yeah. Internalized capitalism is something that every client comes to me dealing with whether they know it or not, you know, I have it all over my website. So some folks reach out and they're like, Hey, this is me. I'm mm-hmm. So happy you offer this. And some folks, once I bring it up, they're like, well, yeah, what, what's the other option? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you know, I mean, there, there, there isn't, <laughs> but yeah. I can figure out a way for you to learn to, you know, kind of live within this. So that's, I can transition into that a little bit, you know, like mm-hmm. think some things I have found to be able to survive, um, figuring out, so therapy, obviously therapy, there are, there are many insurance companies that will cover. There are many insurance companies that will reimburse for therapists that are not in network. And there are also websites like open path collective that offer reduced rate therapy. And many therapists also have, you know, one or two pro bono or reduced fee spots. So there's no harm in reaching out. Therapy helps you learn how to be happy to the best of your ability with what you have. Therapy doesn't say to you, hey, be happy. You should count your blessings. It says, hey, I know this sucks. Let's figure out a way for you to be happy in it. And I think that's a big misconception about therapy because Mm -hmm. media. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, therapy, first and foremost, learning how to live sustainably in the best way that you can, you know, uh, and that just means consuming less. Um, And I don't mean eating less. I don't mean starving yourself. I mean, resist figuring out how you can resist that urge to just keep to keep buying or bringing in things that are not making you happy or making you happy for a couple minutes and then making you feel worse after um and also you know to the best of your ability working on your relationships trying to make them relationships that you feel comfortable being in the moment with um educating and sharing that with people around you again sustainability in this kind of stuff is not really accessible to everyone you know, we are all being chased by, by this internalized capitalism, you know, every day, but trying to figure out ways that you can be at peace to the best of your ability within it is the way to go. And, mm-hmm. and that is possible for a lot of it people. It is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know that. And it can take a while to get there because it's so ingrained. It's been our entire life um, having these messages. And really for me, it's only been within the past couple of years. And that's something as horrible as the pandemic was, that was something for me that was a little a little gift in there about it was like a, a switch was flipped and I... I just realized what was really important and how I needed more rest and more space in my life. And I was determined to do whatever I needed to, to create that. And it has been 
quite the journey because I'm just now getting to the place where I can maybe do something not work related during the day and not have this thing in the back of my head, like you should be working, like, you know, that the message, like, what do you think you're doing? It's, it's the middle of the day. You should be (laughs) working your eight hours, you know? So it's just now after really, um, trying to challenge that for a couple of years now that that voice has gotten much quieter. That is so wonderful. Like what a nice success story and a a really great point that it does take time. You know, these, these like, we're kind of fed the message too, that problems can, can be solved in 30 minutes or they can be solved with an advice columnist, just telling us kind of what to do. But in reality, real change comes with work. And while it seems so inaccessible and out of reach because we're already exhausted, there, there is more energy that you're replenished with when you are able to work on yourself, the energy comes. Mm -hmm. Um, So you're, so, you know, if you do start to feel happier, if things around you are improving, you have more energy. Um, Yeah. Mm -hmm. That's so great. What a nice, what a nice success story that you've been able to reach. That voice is so annoying. Mm -hmm. (laughs) It is. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Thinking about, do you have any, any last thoughts about what we've been talking about today or what you want to leave the listeners with? Yeah. You know, again, please understand that this is something that affects us all. You know, you're not a bad person for being frustrated when you see something in media on TV or movie working out for the person, for the actor or the actress or, you know, whomever, and something that has similarly has not worked out for you. It's, it's okay that you have an emotional response to that. It's okay. So I would just encourage self-compassion all the way, you know, just taking a moment, taking a beat, 10 seconds. Hey, like, listen, this is really hurt. Talking to yourself. Hey, listen, mm-hmm. self, this is really hurting. This is frustrating. This is making me feel bad. Um, but I also recognize that this is a Fox TV show and they don't actually like care about my self-improvement. And it's kind of, you know, they're, they're not trying to make me feel better. And then I'm my brain and my brain is responding appropriately to this. So, um, so I'm just going to be mindful about it and I'm going to try not internalize what I see. So mm-hmm. a try not to judge yourself B. And if you do understand that it happens because we are literally only human. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 How can people find out more about you and the work that you're doing? Yes. Okay. So teletherapywithsarah.com is my therapy website and coaching as well. I post bi-weekly blog posts for professional millennials from working class backgrounds, as well as exploited therapists. It's more like lifestyle tips, uh, mindful lifestyle tips um, that help with heavy themes of unlearning, internalized capitalism and internalized oppression. Like, I mean, so many folks also dealing with internalized hatred about own pieces of their identity. So folks in the BIPOC community and LGBTQ community, there's just a lot of themes of being very forgiving of yourself for being receptive to what a pretty harmful culture has fed us. Um, Mm -hmm. So yeah, find me there. Um, And also find me on Instagram at teletherapy with Sarah. And I also run a podcast with my very good friend and fellow therapist, Joanna Dwinnells. It's called Therapist Next Door. We interview helpers and people in help helper adjacent fields. And we talk about, or our goals are to demystify therapy and destigmatize mental health. And we are very funny. So yeah, mm-hmm. come and listen. 
Love it. Yeah. Everyone tune into that. And I'm excited to have Sarah back next week where we're going to be talking about the 12 signs that you may be an exploited therapist. So I'm excited for that conversation. Me too. I'm excited. I can't wait. All right. Thanks. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me today. For episode 69, I continue my conversation with Sarah, where she unveils the 12 signs that you may be an exploited therapist. If you haven't yet listened to episode 67, I urge you to do that. In that episode, I continue on with my series about how to start a podcast with part three, where I share my workflow of producing the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. I talk about everything from scheduling to recording, editing, and producing. I'm truly grateful that you choose to join me here for practical, nature-based, magical support for your business and life. For more inspiration and to see what I'm up to, join me over on Instagram at Mountain Practice Journeys. If you're enjoying yourself here, please head over to Apple Podcast and hit those five stars and I'll be over the moon. And if you'd like to work with me, join me in Forest Mind, my cozy small group mastermind for private practice introverts, highly sensitive therapists, and solopreneurs who help and heal. May the forest be with you.